Hi, parents. It's Robin McMahon here. Thank you for listening to Parenting Our Future, which is in the top 0.5% of all podcasts worldwide. Before we dive into this episode, I want to invite you to join my membership site, The Parent Toolbox. You can join this membership for free. It's at www.parent-toolbox.com. And this is the companion site to my show, Parenting Our Future. In the Parent Toolbox, you will find game-changing tools and resources from both myself and my guest experts who are among some of the top minds in the parenting space. There are over 100 resources to help you navigate screen time, co-parenting, meltdown, teenagers, and so much more. Join today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. Okay, so one of the things that I hear a lot about is sleep bedtime. It is a source of so much stress and conflict for a lot of parents, whether it's kids that are refusing to go to bed, have regular pop-ups, get up in the middle of the night, disrupt parent sleep. Nobody is happy in the house when there isn't sleep. I know for me, I needed so much sleep as a, as a, as a new mom and I didn't always get it. And I kind of felt like I was losing my mind a little bit. So I have somebody here who is blowing my mind with her information and her knowledge. And you just, just you wait, just you wait. I have Dr. Meghna Dasani here, and she is passionate about helping children achieve healthy sleep. Now she is from the Houston area and she has a sleep dentistry practice. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Okay. So that's, that's why she's blowing my mind. She helps her pediatric patients breathe better every day. She has trained many other providers in pediatric sleep dentistry and is a frequent speaker at professional conferences, but she's also a tireless advocate for children. And she continues to research new methods to help her pediatric patients achieve healthy, restful sleep that allows them to learn and grow. And she has a book called The Tired Child as well. As, and she has other books too, but I just want to welcome you, Dr. Dasani. Thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to talk. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is so great. And when this came across my desk, I'm like, what do you mean? A dentist and sleep. I don't get it. I don't understand how the two are related. So can you really just sort of encapsulate what it is that you do and how dentistry can be related to sleep issues in kids and, and I guess adults as well. Yeah, for sure. So the airway, as we know, it begins at the nose and mm -hmm. that's where we as dentists work our magic in that realm because the mouth all of what we call the orofacial, dentofacial, stomatonathic system is right up our wheelhouse. And <laughs> <laughs> well, patients sometimes don't know and don't understand, and I know you can see me, but the roof of the mouth is also the floor of the nose. Okay. When I have an airway that is impacted, I can impact what's going on here and using children's growth patterns and growth spurts and growth phases actually impact the shape and the size of that airway. So when I do this to show you what that upper arch looks like, the, the maxilla, the upper jaw looks like, as you can see, this is super narrow and constricted. It's a child mm -hmm. that 
um, has a very narrow area, that's where it starts. Now think about it. If I can, in some way, shape or form, change that to a much broader, wider upper jaw, it's going to make for a lot more oxygen, a lot more air that that child is able to breathe. If I can impact how the upper and the lower jaws fit together, I can change what's going on with their face, their development, their breathing. And let's think about this. Children see us as dentists at least every six months, if not more, right? Mm -hmm. They get their teeth cleaned twice a year. How frequently do they see other providers? Maybe once a year, right? You're well checked. And we get to see them every six months and stay on top of what growth is looking like. And it could be, is there enough room for those permanent teeth to come in Mm -hmm. for a child that still has their baby teeth? Um, What does the tongue posture look like? What does the position of the tongue look like? Is this child able to breathe through their nose completely? Are they a mouth breather? Mm. And that can manifest in other ways too in this child. Do I have a child that constantly has cavities, has bad breath, and mom says they brush their teeth twice a day, they're good with flossing, they clean their tongue, uh, they do everything that we might ask them to do. And all of this plays a role, and I tell patients this, your teeth tell me a story, because mm. I can connect the dots with what I see, not just growth and development wise, but what else is going on. And it allows me to paint a picture as to what's happening. And can I address this? Can I fix this? Can I help? Hmm. Because when a child that has a narrow airway isn't getting enough oxygen, their brain isn't able to rest. And that leads us into a whole slew of other things that can happen. You really can spiral with your child, right? Because they're not getting enough rest. So they're irritable during the day. Then they might push back at bedtime. And then you yes. start to lose your relationship with your kids. Your, you know, it, it can just, it can go downhill quickly. And, uh, and so, okay. So what you're saying is, is that you're really looking at it, not just as pretty white straight teeth. You're looking at it as an airway on the whole, the roof of the mouth is the base of the nose. And you're looking at children where they're at, but also the years ahead of them where, you know, they're going to lose their baby teeth. They're going to grow the adult teeth. And, and how can you, how can you help to improve breathing in general? Because when they're not breathing at night, that specifically leads to, to some serious problems. Right. And, and so this sort of serious problem is, is it sleep apnea? That's the problem. Is that right? Or is it like, what, what what is, what is the end result in, in a bad way that happens? Sleep apnea could be the problem. So sleep apnea, for those that don't know, is when a person or a child stops breathing for 10 seconds or longer multiple times throughout the night. Now, children are not miniature adults as much as we want to believe they are. (laughs) They're still growing, right? They're, They're still growing. There's still, you know, so much that needs to happen. They also tend to have, because all of the growth hasn't been completed, they also tend to have much narrower airways because growth hasn't been completed. Now, throw in a wrench like enlarged tonsils Mm. or a child that is constantly battling allergies 
or a child where, as we mentioned earlier, growth isn't going in the way, the direction that it should be. All of these one plus one does not equal two in a child. It is a compounded effect. Mm. So it could be sleep apnea, but it could also be with everything that's going on, this child just is not getting enough oxygen to the brain. It's what I call or we call a hypopnea. That is a partial obstruction. There isn't a complete obstruction. Bottom line is the brain isn't getting enough oxygen. Mm. And so how would you know that as a parent, that that could be part of the problem? Is that something we would be able to, to notice ourselves, or do you really need somebody like you to help us figure that out? There's a lot that parents can observe. And I always tell parents this, like we sit down and we have a long conversation because I want to hear what might seem normal to you because that's what your child is always presented with, but could tell me a story. Now, I'm fond of saying I can put adults in a box when I see them with sleep issues. Adults show up at snoring. They stop breathing at night. They're tired during the day. Uh, use the bathroom multiple times at night. I can put them into a box. With mm. children, mm. I could have five kids in my practice and they have eight different symptoms and they could all be positive for sleep disordered breathing. So in kids, what can a mom or a dad or a parent or whoever is with the child, what can you look for to that might give you these clues? Snoring, that's a huge one. And a child that snores does not necessarily have to sound like my dad did when I was growing up. <laughs> yeah. You know, both seem different. I always tell parents this audible breathing while asleep in a child does count as snoring. So if you have a child that chronically has audible breathing at night, that's a red flag for me. Really? A child that is a messy sleeper. If you have a child that moves around a lot, if you have a child that has, wakes up with their bed covers in all kinds of places, their pillow is somewhere, the teddy that they were holding is elsewhere, they started here and they ended here, that's a red flag. Really? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking about one of my boys. I, I, yeah, yeah. You know how you say, uh, you know how how you say, uh, you know, you're sawing logs. We used to say he's just snapping twins because like, he's always snoring. <laughs> he's a mess at bed. He is. He's like, where we don't know where he'll end up. We have no idea. So that's so interesting. Okay, I'll let you keep going. It's not about me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no problem. <laughs> um, if you have a child that's always tired in the morning. There is no wrong side of the bed. There is, <laughs> there's just the child that does not want to get out of bed. You know, we're, we're so used to, I hear all these things. Oh, they're going to grow out of it. Or he's not a morning person that does change when they get to teenagers. And we'll touch up on that later, but um, it's just, the child hasn't gotten enough good quality sleep. And then I have parents that go, but my child sleeps for 10, 11, 12 hours. Mm -hmm. They're getting the amount of sleep they need. Are they getting mm. good quality sleep? Mm. Wow. Okay. A child that wets the bed. Okay. If you have a child that stays dry before, and I don't mean a two-year-old that's regressing potty training. I mean, an older child that has stayed dry mm. and is now starting to wet the bed and you've tried everything else. You know, we've cut the water out. We've cleaned up their diet. There's no UTIs or any of those things. Their, their pediatrician has cleared them. 
sleep is sometimes the missing piece of that puzzle. And and how does that equal bedwetting? When a child is unable to get into deep sleep mm-hmm. and stay in deep sleep for an adequate period of time, deep sleep is when our brain tops up, replenishes all of the neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. So we have growth hormone, leptin and ghrelin, which are our hunger and satiety hormones, ADH, antidiuretic hormone. That is what tells our body to concentrate the urine, tells us we really don't need to go potty right now. Let's, you know, the mm-hmm. bladder hold on to it. When that level does not get topped off to what it needs to be, well, things don't function the way they need to function. Another way that this works is it functions as well. There's a couple of other ways. Functions to stabilize blood pressure when we're asleep because of the fluid. When there's so much movement, the movement or the snoring or all of this that's going on is what I call a a micro arousal. That's your brain in response to the drop in oxygen going I just want to make sure nothing's bad's going to happen. Let me have a little bit of movement, a little bit of something, just so this kid wakes up just enough, but is not sitting up talking, reading a book, talking to you, waking you up and going back to sleep, just enough to snap you out of that deep sleep. It's what I call fragmented sleep. Mm. So we have all of this happen. So you don't have ADH that gets the antidiuretic hormone get topped off. It's also your body's way of just maybe making sure you're okay. Hey, if I wet the bed, the kid's going to wake up. Interesting. So it's, remember you and I, when we were talking earlier before we hit record, I told you this, the main function of our brain is to keep us safe, to keep us alive, Mm -hmm. right? And fight or flight, all of the responses that we talk about, that's all it is. Is what can I do to make sure nothing bad happens to this human being that I'm in charge of? Mm-hmm. And this is one of those ways. Oh, so will this eventually work itself out on its own? If they, if we, if there's a parent listening that doesn't see somebody like you. I always encourage you to go talk to your pediatrician, talk to um, any, any provider that your child sees and have these conversations. You know, it's like, Who would know that a dentist would be able to help a child with bedwetting, right? Let's take this example. Exactly. And, you know, I have this story that I love to share. We had um, a patient, a mom called a practice. This was about a year ago. And uh, she had a 16-year-old boy that that was still wetting the bed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you call the dentist, it's, I'm your last hope, right? You're like, have nothing to lose. Maybe yeah. she'll have an answer. Yeah. They had tried everything. They'd seen all kinds of specialists. He didn't drink water after a certain time. The cleanest diet I could have asked anybody of everything. And to say that the child was embarrassed to be in my practice oh, is an understatement. This I is a 16 imagine. year old mm-hmm. and was very sullen and didn't want to be there. Didn't want to talk to me. And I said, let's, let's just figure this out. You know, we addressed sleep issues and not even three months later, we have a long hallway down our practice where our treatment rooms are. And I was walking down out one end and he was walking in the other for his uh, checkup appointment. 
Now you have boys. I, I have two girls, teenage girls, but my nephews, if they're like normal boys, which I think they are teenage boys and hugs don't go together, especially <laughs> with me, us, right? Strangers. This young man ran down the hallway, gave me the biggest hug. Like he literally squeezed me and lifted me up. And he whispered oh, in my ear, he's like, I have not had an accident since I last saw you. Oh, Robin, I wanted to go home that day. I was done. My day could not get any better. Oh. Because what we have to understand is this child was not only dealing with the bedwetting and the worries, but think about the social and emotional oh. um, impact on this. He'd never had a sleepover. He'd never been to camp. He never did late nights with his friends. There was a list of things he needed to check off his list now. Mm. And we forget that. And yeah. it, it broke my heart that they hadn't found answers, but I'm happy that they now had answers. What? So these are, this is the kind of impact that it has. What and I don't know why I got story. on this. <laughs> um, but I'm sure there was a reason why I got onto this. Well, I asked um, you. Oh, we could... work itself out. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I think what happens is as human beings, our bodies are so intelligent. We develop compensations and ways to deal with it. When I see adults with sleep apnea, it's not always that they develop sleep apnea magically at the age of 30 something or 40 something, right? Something has to have led up to it. Mm -hmm. A lot of these adults, when I have conversations say, I I don't know what it is to feel rested. I guess I've never felt rested or I've never, you know, I've always been a messy sleeper as a child. I've always struggled with sleep as a child. So we hear all these stories. And then as we get older, we get so adept at adapting mm -hmm. to what it is that our bodies are doing. But as I said, we develop compensations that it becomes your normal instead mm -hmm. of seeking help because it's what I've had all my life. Do some kids grow out of it? I'm sure they do. I just never get to hear about it because I either see kids while they're having a problem or I see the adults that have had a problem. Yeah. But, yeah. and I was on a podcast earlier today and we brought this up. A key thing to remember, and there are studies out there that shows, you know, when we don't address these sleep issues in our kids, it's an oxygen deficit that's happening in their brains. Mm -hmm. This does impact growth and development. It can have a direct effect on their IQ. Really? For every year of sleep deficits that we are not addressing, they're losing out on IQ points that could be potentially be dropping. Wow. That's, that's huge. You no. Know, yeah. And that kid is potentially going to be my doctor someday. <laughs> that kid is going to be an educator for my grandkids. They are our doctors, our lawyers, our engineers, our future world leaders, Gosh, I want them to be well rested and to be at the best of their ability. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, uh, and and look, I'll, I'll tell you too. I um, uh, about a year ago, I found out no, two years ago that I actually had sleep apnea and it was severe, and I was like. Oh, I had no idea. And I, I was pretty embarrassed because I had to get a machine and I had to wear, anyway, I, 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 ne I never have talked about it. Um, and for me, it, it, it had to do with my weight and I have since had a sleep study and, and lost weight and, uh, and, and it's not there anymore, but it was, it was 60 times, 60 times an hour. An hour. Yeah. One, every minute I stopped breathing. 
every minute. So yeah, it is. And then I started to notice that I would stop breathing and then jolt awake. Uh, I wasn't aware of it before, but uh, yeah. And anyway, yeah, it's inelegant to say the least. Um, I don't know if there's any dental issue uh, with it, but I I know that there was that. So I'm I'm only sharing just that I, I have had some experience with it and it is no fun to not be well rested. Uh, so, okay. So I want to ask you, uh, you know, since I have had that experience is, is a sleep apnea machine something that kids use? Yeah, they can, they can, it's not the ideal choice. Okay. Um, because with these CPAP machines, yeah. we have to have a mask that is mm-hmm. fitted very tightly or the air escapes. Mm-hmm. Well, when, when something is tied on your face and going to the back, it is altering your growth patterns in a child that is still growing. Oh, of course. We want the jaws to grow forward and outward mm-hmm. because that's how growth happens well I now have something that is strapped on tight and is constricting that growth so even if a child may need it I tell parents this it ha- we want to make sure it's for the smallest period of time that we would need to keep them in mm. because the beautiful thing with children is we can impact the direction of the growth of their jaws as mm-hmm. I like to tell moms I want to be able to build your child an airway that is going to be able to, that they're going to be able to take into adulthood. Mm. And I don't have to worry about this child potentially dealing with sleep issues, sleep apnea Mm. as a grown-up. So yes, they can use it. It's not my first treatment of choice besides, can you imagine being five, six, seven years old and having to wear that for the rest of your life? And it comes with its own set of other side effects. So no, we have the ability to change that. Is it, uh, is it something that if you get treated for with, with what you do at a, at a young age that carries you through to adulthood or could it still crop up? Like mine was weight related. Correct. It could, it still could, but we're trying to give you the best start in life. And then as an adult, things happen, Um, you know, if there's medical issues that pop up, or like you said, if weight gain is a concern, Mm. um, like yourself, you said, you know, you lost all that weight, and the sleep apnea isn't an issue anymore. So there's ways around it. But the goal is to give you a good start in life, because we know a child that is well rested has a great airway, is going to want to work out more is going to play sports. Um, they're, they're just more motivated to be better, to take better care of themselves, hopefully eat healthier as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to a child that's constantly tired. And I don't know about you, but when I'm tired, I reach for the junky stuff. Mm-hmm. I want like instant sugar. I want like the foods that I know I should not be having. Um, mm-hmm. But I make wiser choices when I've got a good night's sleep. Yeah, definitely. So how fast can you correct some of these issues? You know, we see children, like my medical colleagues will send me newborns. They'll be like, we got a problem, fix them. And I was like, yes, they don't have teeth, but there's other ways we could do to help that. The sooner we can uh, get in with intervention, um, the easier it is. 
the growth and development. It, I liken it to, you know, when we have a garden hose that we're trying to water the plants and we've turned the water on and you still have water, but you're like, man, I really should have more water coming through here. And you notice there's just the slightest kink in that garden hose. Yeah. And all you need to do is just unkink that. And that's exactly what I look at this. If I can just unkink, get this kid over the little bump that's causing it, your body is amazing. It knows what to do. You just need to give it the GPS, the direction, unkink that, and things get to where we need it to. So if I have a slightly older child, say seven, eight, nine-year-old, um, sometimes we see results as quickly as three to six months. They mm. don't need to be in treatment for an extended period of time. It just depends on the child and what's going on and how much intervention is needed. It's fantastic. And, I, you know, I was talking to you earlier about a client of mine who has um, almost five and she has sleep apnea. Uh, she has, she, she seems to keep getting colds and they're brutal colds. She's very, um, she's kind of wild, sweetest little girl, but it's showing up in her behavior. And um, I cannot wait to introduce you to her first of all. Uh, but you know, the doctors that, you know, she's been seeing, first of all, they did allergy testing, nothing came back totally fine. Uh, next is ENT and she doesn't want to go to the ENT because she's worried they're going to do tubes in her ears that they're going to prescribe, um, you know, steroids, which this little girl has already been on steroids and that does not do well. Uh, maybe take her tonsils out, adenoids, right? She's just like, I don't want any of that. It just doesn't feel like, like, it just feels like they're doing a bunch of stuff and they don't actually know what they're doing. So, so that's why I'm excited. One of the, one of the many reasons I'm excited to talk to you is for this beautiful client of mine, but also I want to know as a parent, there is so much information coming at you. So many questions that you have it's overwhelming. At what point would we even know to look at dentistry and a dentist like you to, to put that puzzle piece together? I, I mean, it's never come up in my life with my two boys, right? And here I am talking to you, knowing you for minutes only, and you've told me something about my son that I, I, I don't even know. I got to look it up really quick, you know, but like, how, how would anyone even know to go to you? Um, unfortunately, there isn't much that we are taught as well in dental school. So I'll tell you this, um, sleep is not something we're taught. It's just due to personal stories. Most of us go down these rabbit holes and try to figure wow. things out. And then you go, oh my gosh, I'm not the only person in the world dealing with this. There's so many others, um, which is why it becomes a passion to just spread the word. As for moms or, you know, caregivers that are questioning, when do I see a dentist? When do I talk about this? Trust your gut. If you mm. know that this isn't your child, or if you're not convinced that this is right, ask questions, get second and third opinions. There's nothing wrong with it. Nobody knows your child better than you do. Mm. And if you aren't convinced, ask, ask more. And I'll just touch up on this little girl. I haven't, of course, met her. And you just, you know, mentioned the behavior issues. 
That's a huge thing too. Did you know that the signs and symptoms of a child that has sleep apnea are the exact same as that of a child that has ADHD? Oh, <laughs> they are the exact same. How do we diagnose ADHD? There's no blood work. There's no x-rays. There's no MRIs. There's no testing. It's a series of questions interviews that happen with um, the neurologist or uh, the therapist or whoever is the provider. And at some point, if they check X number of boxes, we determine, yes, maybe they need help with that. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. There are kids that have ADHD that need help. But anytime I see this diagnosis or these medications on a health history for a child that is in my practice, I always reach out to the doctor and I always explain to the parent. Let's get their sleep evaluated. There are mm -hmm. studies that show 50% of kids that are on ADHD medications could potentially be taken off of those drugs once their sleep is addressed. That's wild. That's, That's unreal. That is a large number of kids to take off of medications. Any mom I know is going to be, yes, please. I would do anything. I would try anything if it were my child. If I could just just not put them on any kind of drugs, forget ADHD, any kind of medication. Yeah. So if so all true. it means is evaluating and addressing their sleep, I say yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That that's That's staggering. So 50% of children who are on ADHD meds could be off of them based on sleep alone and getting that corrected. Is that- If we get their sleep issues. Yes. Wow. Wow. Okay. So is it covered this type of dentistry under traditional uh, extended benefits? Yes. Wow. Okay. So it's not like this is specialized. It'll cost you more. This is covered under a regular dentistry visit or preventative- yeah. Um, I don't say it would come into preventative, it just, again, it depends on what's going on, right? If we need expanders or if we need appliances mm -hmm. in their mouth that could end up being under like orthodontic benefits, oh, okay. um, if this child has a tongue tie that is contributing to it, then that's a different kind of procedure code. But um, I have seen for the most part, dental benefits to cover it. Sometimes medical will jump in based on what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, but this is all stuff, you know, we just us with parents before we even do anything. Um, it's good yeah. to know. It's good to know. Look, I mean, I think as parents, everything, everything seems to cost so much. And just to know that that is covered uh, is, is, is really great. Uh, there's one thing that you, um, that you mentioned when we, you and I were talking that also uh, we haven't touched on yet. So I just want to recap what you've said earlier for parents to look for things in their children. Um, so snoring, audible breathing, a messy sleeper, always tired in the morning, bedwetting. And then there's also fear of going to sleep. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you, you know, we, we classify, yeah, uh, we classify that under parasomnia. So it could come from nightmares and a child is like, I don't want to sleep. I'm going to have bad dreams. And then they fight resist going to sleep mm -hmm. but then there's also a second part and remember we, we said the only job that our brain has is to keep us safe keep us alive 
And if the brain is at some point subconsciously sensing, which that might happen, that this child is stopping breathing, there's an oxygen deficit, it has to work harder to make sure things don't go wrong, go sideways, the brain's going to be, yeah, no, I don't know that we need to sleep. It's okay. Just stay awake. And then kids aren't able to relay that to us, right? Little kids are like, I don't want to sleep. I want to bounce away. Get my second wind. I want to be crazy. And mom's going, please go to bed. I got to go to work or I have other things to do. Yeah. And um, that that can certainly play into it too. You know, one thing we haven't yet touched upon, and I love to make sure that you know our our listeners actually get to this, is when when we or anybody that's stopping breathing has the apnea, stops breathing, our children included, that complete obstruction prevents the blood from getting oxygenated. There just isn't fresh oxygen going to the blood. So the heart goes, I, there really isn't much for me to do. I'm going to slow down. There isn't much. We're going to take it easy. We're going to chill. And at some point the brain goes, dude, you got to wake up. I need more oxygen. I need more oxygen. So now the heart has to like jumpstart to get frantically enough blood to the ox, uh, enough oxygenated blood to the brain. And this happens multiple times throughout the night, right? We talked about when we are asleep is when all the healing, the rest, the repair, the rejuvenation happens. What is the heart doing at this point? It's actually working overtime, is it not? Mm. It isn't able to heal. And it doesn't matter if this is a child or if it's an adult. Which is also why I believe we are now seeing more incidences of cardiac disease in our children. I personally see kids with high blood pressure. I see kids that are overweight, that are fighting type two diabetes, and it's all interrelated. It all comes down to not getting good quality sleep. Your brain waking you up constantly. How? I, I, I mean, I just, seriously, my mind is blown and, and I, I want to tell you that I'm going to be talking about this forever. I'm going to talk about this to every single client I have, anybody that will listen, because this is something we do not know. I have never heard of this before. I've been doing this for a long time and I've talked about sleep and sleep issues. I've talked about picky eaters and how you, that can relate to your mouth and being tongue tied and different things like that, but never sleep. This is so important for parents to hear. I just want to say thank you so much for being here, for sharing your information. I'm just, I'm so excited and I can't wait to introduce you to my client. Uh, and also, um, there's a couple of things I want to tell people. So first you, um, if you're not in, in Texas, you still have a spot on your website where people can say, Hey, like, is there somebody near me? So you are so kind to, to help others find a dentist in their area. You did say people will travel to you and it does not surprise me that they would, but I just want to, you know, mention your website, which is it's www.megnadasani.com. So M E G H N A D A S S ani.com. And I just want to spell it out just so you, you've got it, but also it's in the show notes. So it's, it's there. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's in the description below. So 
please go there. Uh, but you also have um, a book called The Tired Child. And in the parent toolbox, you've given us the first chapter of this book as well. So just if you want to learn a bit more about this and really uh, hear from Dr. Dasani, please do go to the parent toolbox, download that chapter, know that you can get the rest of her book. And wh where can we find your books? You have more than one, uh, but this is the, the Tired Child is really what we're talking about today. Yeah, the links are on Amazon, um, on my website. Well, it's available on Amazon and I have links to the books on my website as well. Okay, well, that's that's fantastic. I... I... I, I can't, I just really can't, uh, thank you enough. This is so incredible. And I think, um, this is going to change a lot of people's lives. So thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to explain this. And we just might talk again, uh, because this is just, I, I I'm, I'm going to be like your biggest cheerleader because I just think this is wonderful. So thank you. Uh, is there any last thing that you want to share with our listeners before, before we end today? Thank you for having me. First off, I am super grateful that you are helping spread this message. Like we talked earlier, not many parents are aware that there are solutions for their children. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, the only message I would like to leave the parents uh, with is don't give up if you don't find the answers for your children. There is always an answer. Just ask, get second opinions, get third opinions, ask for who can help your kid, because I promise you there is an answer. A certain provider may not have it, but I'm sure there's others that have it. So don't give up and don't be discouraged because there's always an answer. And as moms, as parents, nobody knows our child better than we do. Mm -hmm. So keep seeking those answers. Such a good point. I love, I love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Dasani. This has just been wonderful. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.